Well, hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and thank you so much for being here with us and being a proactive parent and getting these resources that you need to recover your own child from their symptoms of autism. And we know that the definition of recovery is to regain health, and every child's level of recovery is different. But I was now 13 years ago told that my son, when he was diagnosed with autism, could not recover and that we would basically be managing symptoms the rest of his life and that we should drug him and maybe try behavioral therapies. But fortunately, my background as a craniosacral therapist and in holistic health led me to believe that the brain could heal and I wanted to find out what the causes were of my son's symptoms and instead of masking it with dangerous drugs. And I wanted to see if I could help him get better. And fortunately, like you, I was out there researching and doing my due diligence and uh, it took me over a decade, but I figured it out and today my son is fully recovered. And I like to share the resources uh, and, and weekly interviewing experts like on this show, but the resources that I use to recover my son. And I, I've wrapped it up in a sense for, for you in a free workshop video that I've created so that you can understand really the four stages and overall uh, what's necessary to re in recovery. And the four stages are, uh, first is you've got to heal the gut and all that that implies. Two is natural, safe, heavy metal detoxification. Three is clearing the co-infections like mold and Lyme and strep. Those are a big deal in autism and often over overlooked or they're not worked with properly. And then stage four is brain support and repair. So uh, you can get my free workshop. It's a, an online uh, video workshop, and it's um, the link for that is naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. So please go ahead and get that and uh, kind of get the understanding of, of what is necessary for autism recovery. And, um, and if I can help you on your journey, I'm happy to do that. Uh, I, I do that with many people around the world today, and uh, it gives me great satisfaction to see other kids recovering from these resources. And today's show is another one that's going to be very helpful for you because we know our children with autism have a lot of digestive problems. They have trouble digesting proteins and fibers and their gut isn't working well. And so we need uh, to build our enzymes and we don't have enough usually because of these, uh, these digestive disturbances and other things that are going on. So we have with us today a very special guest who is a specialist in enzyme therapy and enzymes for autism and enzymes in general. And his name is Dr. Devin Houston. And you may know of him from Houston Enzymes, his company. And everything that we will do, as usual, I have created a show uh, link for you for the episode today uh, so you can get all the show notes at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 44, just the numbers 44. And uh, so again, I'll link to the resources we share today in case you're driving or you're out on a walk or um, you missed something as we were speaking, It'll uh, you can jump back to that page for you. So I'm going to give you a little background on Dr. Houston. Um, he is uh, the incorporator of C and CEO of Houston Nutraceuticals. He's obtained a bachelor's degree in biology from Hendricks College in 1979. He was awarded a bachelor of science degree in medical science in 1980 and a PhD in biochemistry from the University of South Alabama College of Medicine in 1987. Dr. Houston's graduate work focused on how the aging process affected certain enzyme systems. 
Following the defense of his thesis work, Dr. Houston accepted a postdoctoral position at the University of Virginia, where he became involved in several fields of research, including ligand receptor integrations of the adenosine receptors, diabetes, and mechanisms of how cells respond to environmental signals. Dr. Houston's work was funded by the American Heart Association, and then in 1990, Dr. Houston accepted a position at St. Louis University School of Medicine. While there, he obtained the position of assistant professor in the Department of Pharmacology and Physiology. His research focus was on characterizing the cannabinoid or marijuana receptors as a possible model for Alzheimer's research. Dr. Houston's work was funded by several grants from the National Institute of Health, and he has published several peer-reviewed papers as well as presenting his findings at several symposia. In 1997, Dr. Houston left academia for industry and accepted a position as manager of research and development at National Enzyme Company. And in March of 2000, Dr. Houston left National Enzyme and became a scientific consultant to the dietary supplement industry prior to funding Houston Nutraceuticals Incorporated and doing his business as Houston Enzymes, which I know um, and I have used and still personally use daily. I actually took some this morning. Uh, Dr. Dr. Houston has multiple enzyme formulas for specific needs, and uh, I have found them to be very, very helpful. I found Dr. Houston in my research when I was researching for my son's recovery uh, over a decade ago, and I've actually written about him in my book, Naturally Recovering Autism, so you can learn more about the enzyme therapy uh, in there as well and enzymes that are used. Uh, But uh, I'd like to, to now welcome Dr. Houston. So thank you so much for being here with us today. I appreciate it. Hi, Karen. It's it's a, my pleasure to be here. There are a lot of parents listening in that, you know, might not really be aware of maybe even maybe some are starting a square line square one. Where what do enzymes do for us? Why why wouldn't we have enough? Why would we even need to be supplementing and, and especially our children with autism? So maybe you could start from the beginning. Uh, okay. Um, well, when you say the term or the word enzymes, uh, that's actually a very broad subject. So we're going to narrow that down to just the enzymes that are involved in, in um, digestion of food. So and what an enzyme is, it's a specialized protein that causes chemical reactions to occur that otherwise would not occur under conditions suitable for life. So it in simple terms, this, this enzymes cause things to happen, and they, they make reactions go quicker, and they make them more possible without having extreme temperatures or conditions. Um, and in digestion, it's, it's what we use to convert raw material or, or food into the nutrition that the body needs to make muscle, to develop uh, anything, the compounds, anything that's protein or uh, neurotransmitters, hormones, just anything you can think of. And there's probably over 5,000 enzymes in the body that we know of, and probably that many as well that we haven't found yet. So enzymes are very important, um, and it's not a matter of, of whether proteins, we are deficient in protein and, or uh, an enzyme. It may be more so where we move the site of that enzyme's action, and that's really where enzyme supplements come into play. There are a lot of things like um, 
you know, uh, our kids have, especially ch- children on the autism spectrum and adults, I mean, there's the question we'll raise eventually of, you know, hydrochloric acid as well, but our children definitely have trouble with protein synthesis, protein digestion, and um, and carbohydrate and fiber digestion, all of these being different types of digestion that um, that they're not being supported, their natural body, their body isn't supporting those. So, um I'd like to actually, we have to take a quick break here, but when we come back, I'd like to kind of delve into some of those pieces uh, because I know that there are certain, like, fiber is so necessary and important for us, but our bodies sometimes aren't able to digest it properly, especially kids with autism. So I think that would be uh, helpful for parents to know, as well as definitely the the protein issue, which is a big one, especially with uh, things like gluten and casein. So we're going to take a short break right here. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we're talking about enzymes for autism with Dr. Devin Houston. Stay with us. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas and today we are talking about enzymes for autism and we have Dr. Devin Houston with us. If you uh, missed the beginning of the show I have created a page for you where I will link to uh, some of the things that we're talking about in today's show notes at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 44 and uh, Dr. Houston can you I'm wondering you know a lot of parents will will be curious why our kids especially kids with autism why they would be deficient in enzymes. I know as we age, we get deficient, but some of the things that cause the kids to become deficient, and I know it has a lot to do with a a poor gut, their gut not being healthy. Well, yeah, we have to be careful about that word deficient. Um, I think what we're dealing with, with uh, a lot of kids on the spectrum, is that um, they they deal with gut inflammation, and inflammation is simply injury. So when you have injury to the gut um, and those cells within the gut wall are the, are the cells that produce digestive enzymes, then you're injuring cells that produce the enzymes and therefore you may not be getting certain enzymes. And there are, in the medical literature, there, there is evidence, um, I think from UMass um, and Boston General, where these kids' gut walls are so... Um, are so damaged that they're lacking in certain enzymes uh, for carbohydrate um, breakdown. So as a result, they have they suffer not only lactose intolerance, but they just are can't break down other starches. And what this results in is that the bad bacteria and yeast feed on those unbroken starches. Uh, that's a food source, and so they multiply produce gas, which can produce bloating and, and pain and cramping, and um, actually just um, make the environment of the gut an inhospitable place for proper food digestion to occur. Um, for other food groups, it's not so much a deficiency of enzymes. Let's talk about uh, protein digestion. I think here it's more the site of where proteins are broken down. And most of the digestion, digestive action in the body occurs in the small intestine after the food has moved from the stomach into the first part of the small intestine where it encounters the pancreatic enzymes. <clears throat> but the thing to remember here is that once food moves into the GI tract, uh, absorption starts occurring, which there's really not much food absorption going on in the stomach. So taking an enzyme supplement and the thing that makes the 
they have such a large advantage over pancreatic enzymes is the fact that they're acid stable and they can work in the stomach. So they start the digestive process, the breakdown of certain proteins. You talked about gluten or casein, uh, any other food protein for that matter, can now be broken down within the confines of the stomach in the two to three hours it takes before the stomach empties the food into the, into the GI tract. There's plenty of time for these enzymes to do a massive amount of work as far as breaking down foods. So, you know, in some aspects we're talking about a deficiency of an enzyme. In other aspects we're talking about moving the process of, of food breakdown more upstream into a, what I call a safer place, in this case would be the stomach. And that allows the breakdown of proteins uh, in a different way so that we don't produce certain peptides that may cause trouble downstream. Um, and so that's, that's really the focus. And I think that gets lost, uh, the fact that these enzymes can work under such a broad pH range, uh, not only in the acidity of the stomach, but also um, way down into the GI tract. So that's an advantage they have over, over the pancreatic or animal-based enzymes, which only work in neutral pH. So um, that's, in my opinion, what makes uh, enzyme supplements so great and provides a lot of, in, of uh, interesting applications um, for, for future research and, and future product development. Well, and it's allowing the food to absorb better because a lot of the nutrition from the foods that our kids are eating isn't getting absorbed. And so they they might even remain hungry even though they've eaten a lot because if they're not getting the nutrition from the food, and hopefully they're they're getting good food in them, but if even then they're not often uh, being able to absorb that food. So their body and their brain are starving for those nutrients. That's a good point. Um Anything that helps break down the break down the meals you eat um, more thoroughly and more completely, you're going to derive more nutrition, more calories from the food you do eat. Right? So it really doesn't help to eat food. It, it's it's really not what you eat; it's what you absorb. So anything that makes food more bioavailable for absorption through the gut, um, is, you're way ahead of the curve. And some people wonder about the, uh, you know, is this overriding your, your body's natural processes, your, your pancreatic enzymes that your body would develop? And so uh, uh, could you talk a little bit about that just to sort of, um, you know, give some background reassurance that, you know, of what, what these are doing and how it, I, I have read that it, it does not override the pancreas and, uh, and, and alter the body's ability to, to you know, function normally at creating these enzymes sure. if you're taking enzyme supplements? Yeah, that's that's not an uncommon question. Um, really, there is debate uh, in the scientific community or medical community whether the pancreas can detect uh, whether enzymes are, are present in the, in the system. From what I've read, um, I don't really see a feedback mechanism to where the, where the pancreas can detect that uh, you're taking an enzyme supplement. So really, you're not overriding uh, or you're not inhibiting your own production of pancreatic enzymes. In fact, the pancreas is always producing digestive enzymes in inactive form, and it stores it in the pancreatic gut. And it's only when um, it's the body senses or the gut senses that the food has moved from the stomach into the small intestine that the pancreatic enzymes are, are then released. So 
Really, um, again, the pancreas has no way of uh, uh, determining whether you're taking an enzyme supplement or not, so there's really no feedback mechanism uh, that involves oral or enzyme supplements. So, And I've known people, um, and myself, I've taken enzyme supplements for over 20 years, 25 years. Uh, I've known others who've taken enzymes for 50 or 60 years. And no no problems whatsoever. And I always like to say enzyme supplements are probably one of the safest supplements on the market. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I know that there are a lot of people with, um, I think, the, the protein issue, especially with gluten and casein. And I know that there's something called DPP-4, and you talked about pe- peptides a moment ago. And the DPP-4 is a very specific type of of I don't know if it's a formula or a, a molecule that is in some enzymes, and I know, I know it's in your trienza, that is able to help break down some of these larger proteins, especially like casein, which is in dairy, and, uh, and gluten, which is in wheat products. So we're going to take a short break right here, but when we come back, maybe we can, uh, we can get, get an answer to that question a little further to help explain some of the understanding of DPB4 and how it can help break down some of those larger proteins like that. Um, so we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Please stay with Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about enzymes for autism, and we have Dr. Devin Houston with us today, and Dr. Houston uh, is a specialist in this arena, and there is a big link between the gut and the brain, and if you've listened to some of my shows in the past, I've talked about that, I'll I'll link to a specific episode I did with uh, another uh, research and developer and uh, uh, another doctor who, some, some people who have these, you know, give more information on that, but Dr. Houston, I'm thinking it might be helpful if you could just give some a brief explanation of that since we're going into so much about the gut and of course absorbing nutrition is 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 crucial because not only do it does our our body and all of its systems need that nutrition but our brain does as well and kids will act out physically and behaviorally both if if they're hurting physically in their body but also if their brain is inflamed so we're getting into also, the connection between the microbiome, the bacteria in the gut, and how it communicates with the brain, and how the gut can also develop things like brain messengers called neurotransmitters. So, um, we talked, you, you mentioned a little bit about yeast and candida and how it feeds on the carbohydrates that don't break down. So, maybe you could go into that a little bit because I think it, it, it has so much to do with that gut brain connection. Well, sure. Yeah, for the longest time, uh we always we thought communication uh, between the gut and the brain was only from the brain to the gut, and then we started seeing pathways and um, signaling mechanisms that caused us or made us realize that hey, some of these messengers were being produced by the gut and being received by the brain. So there was a there's a two way communication there, and you have to remember that the gut is not only an organ of digestion, but it's also an organ that plays a huge role in the immune system, and it plays a role in how the brain itself is developed early on in life. Um, that's why inoculation of a of a baby's gut with uh, with the mama's bacteria during during the birth process is is so important uh, to get that initial inoculation of uh, beneficial bacteria to to help baby. Develop, and it's not only for baby to to 
break down the, the mom's milk or the formula or such, but it's also to feed back to the brain um, and help it develop as, as well. So there, there's some interesting studies. In fact, I was reading one this morning uh, from a, a university in Australia uh, that was basically confirming the um, signaling mechanism between gut and brain in uh, children with autism is uh, pretty much definitive. So it's really important. So it, 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 and remember, you have a balance there. You have the equivalent of bacteria in your gut equal to, as if you're just counting cells, individual cells. You have about um, 10 people living in your gut if they were, if you, you know, can, if the human body has a certain number of cells total, well, there's 10 times that amount colonizing your gut. And what bacteria is present there, and there's always an interaction going on between the bacteria, and there's a balance. Every one of us has yeast in our gut. It's just that the majority of us who are neurotypical and, and are healthy, that yeast and the bad bacteria are held in check by the good bacteria. It's only when you upset the gut or damage the, the popula bacterial population that you get an imbalance, and that is the opportunity for, for bad bacteria to start taking over or, or yeast or, or fungal infections to occur. So uh, it's really important. Um, and it, only, it not only happens in disease processes, but if you change your diet, <clears throat> different foods, one way to alter the microbiome in your gut is to change the type of food you eat or go to a different diet. Um, and that always causes some turnover or some change in the balance in your gut. And that's why some people feel uncomfortable when they take on a different diet, where there's a period of adjustment necessary um, for the gut to get back in balance. Uh, which, by the way, taking enzymes can help with that because, one, you're, you're again, you're, you're not dealing with undigested food laying around in the gut. If you're sort of jump-starting the whole digestive process uh, with, a, with an enzyme supplement. So, especially with carbohydrates. Um, I know our moms told us not to eat sugar, that sugar causes the bac bad bacteria to, to proliferate. Not really so. Sugar is rapidly absorbed out of the gut. Glucose uh, goes out very quickly. But uh, undigested carbohydrates and starches that aren't broken down uh, lay around in the crevices and creases in the in the gut wall, um, which become a food source, especially for the gas producers. They multiply rapidly, producing more gas. And um, there's also a opportune uh, a food source for for certain um, pathogenic bacteria and the ones that can cause inflammation. So once you once inflammation gets a foothold in the gut, then that opens the door for all sorts of things, a thing called leaky gut, which is nothing more than another term for inflammation, but it means that the cell walls or the cells within the gut wall become larger. And so things that would stay in the gut normally uh, are now are allowed to escape out. And once in systemic circulation, they can have effect on other systems, including the brain. So that's, uh, that's one importance of trying to keep your gut clean. It's like keeping your house clean. Sweep out the corners, get rid of the dust and the bugs, and maintain a clean house. And things just go much more smoothly.
Right, and enzymes are really helpful when you take them just before a meal, but then they can also be used to kind of uh, mop up some toxins if you take them away from food. They, they call that the therapeutic use of them. So they uh, they they tend to, to do multiple jobs and they do them, them safely. And I know we, we talked a little bit earlier about protein digestion as well because the carbohydrate piece is so important and I'm always trying to tell parents, you know, it's not just to be off of gluten and casein. You need to get them off all processed carbohydrates because you know, they're they're feeding that bad bacteria in the gut and as you mentioned, um, also contributing to the leaky gut in that way. And so I think that um, when we come back, we're going to take a short break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about the, the leaky gut and the effect that um, that gluten and casein have. And then I know that you're, uh, there's a formula called DPP-4 that will help with, with, uh, with the protein digestion, and especially for gluten and casein that uh, a lot of parents with autism uh, need to know about as well. So uh, you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Stay with us, and we will be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom. Hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about enzymes for autism and we have Dr. Devin Houston with us today, and uh, he's a specialist in enzymes. And when I was in my searches, doing my research to find what I needed uh, to recover my son from his symptoms of autism, I came upon uh, Dr. Houston's research, and I actually have written about him in my book, Natural Recovering Autism, as well. And one of the things that was really important in my findings and when I found Dr. Houston was this enzyme uh, referred to as DPP-4, and I'll let Dr. Dr. Houston explained that to you, but it's something that is able to help degrade some of these larger proteins like in gluten and casein. Now, I want to give a little caveat to parents listening. That doesn't mean you have licensure <laughs> to go ahead and give your kids a lot of dairy and wheat products. It's sort of something I found like if they accidentally get some or they're at a party and they have a tiny bit to help break it down. But um, but Dr. Houston was one of the first that found DPP-4 to be available in commercial enzymes. And, and I know that he has some updated information on that for us today. So, Dr. Houston, can you uh, share that with us? And first yeah, explain um, what DPP-4 is since I, I, I didn't... <laughs> Yeah, the DPP Roman numeral four <clears throat> basically stands for bipeptidyl peptidase four. There's a whole family of uh, <clears throat> of these peptidases, and a peptidase is an enzyme that just breaks large proteins down into smaller proteins that we call peptides. So, and <clears throat> I, DPP four is near and dear to my heart because it's it's actually what kind of changed 
my life and caused me to go on the, the road that I'm currently on and have been for the last 20 years. But I, I was working at, at an enzyme manufacturer and uh, we were responding to some questions from, from a customer uh, as to finding an enzyme that would break down gluten and casein. Uh, the, the gluten is the major protein in wheat. Casein is the major protein in dairy. Um, so it, it caused me to turn my attention to, to that project. And I quickly realized, um, and, and when they were talking about certain peptides that they were concerned about, glutamorphin in gluten and casomorphin in casein, and later, years later, we found some other uh, peptides called soy morphin and soy protein. Uh, but these, and morphin that added on glutamorphin, casomorphin, these are opiate-like peptides. And by that, they act like uh, morphine or heroin. They interact with the opiate receptor, uh, which was a type of receptor I was studying in my academic research career. Um, but, and they actually caused, um, you know, a reaction similar to what opiates, so on a much, much smaller scale. And if you think about it, certain foods we call comfort foods, like macaroni and cheese. Well, there you go. You have gluten and wheat in the macaroni and you got casein in the cheese. But who doesn't love mac and cheese? It's, and it just makes you feel good. Um, and we notice that with children on the spectrum is they crave certain foods like milk um, or milk products, uh, crackers, pasta, whatever that's got wheat. So anyway, um, so I, that got me interested in, in what these peptides that were being produced during normal digestion, and everybody produces these peptides. Um, it's just that some of the reactions are more noticeable uh, on kids with kids on the spectrum. So um, the first thing I did is go to the literature and find out these peptides. Um, if our body makes those peptides, it has to have a way of dealing with them. So the medical literature said that there was an enzyme, dipeptidyl peptidase 4, that was the only known enzyme to break down the peptide casomorphin, degrading it completely um, into an inactive uh, set of amino acids. So that got me curious. Um, to look at our stocks of uh, enzymes that we maintained and see if that particular activity, if we could find that in the lab. So we went down the lab, developed an assay, a way to measure DPP4 activity, and we amazingly found uh, very high amounts of the enzyme in these um, protease blends. So you know, going back to the customer and, and telling them this, um, it was sort of an aha moment for us or a eureka moment. It kind of explained a lot of the things that we were seeing with um, children that were taking enzyme supplements and, and some of their improvements in their digestion um, and, um, and behaviors. So that prompted me to become more and more curious and do more research along the lines of just what that enzyme does. So, and when when we made it known, I made it known that DPP4 is a very interesting, unique enzyme. It's got some a large upside, but it has a downside too. Uh, it 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 breaks down peptides, but only under a certain rigid set of rules. 
So the circumstances had to be very exact. And I came to realize that maybe we were asking too much of just DPP-4. So another way around the DPP-4 is while it's good, I, I wasn't going to take the chance to just rely entirely on DPP-4. But if you make a cocktail or put in multiple protease activities, you can do pretty much the same thing by breaking down proteins differently than what your own body's enzymes would be doing. So it's like adding an extra set of knives or scissors, chainsaws, whatever, to the whole breakdown process. And when you break down different proteases, break down different peptide bonds, the links that hold amino acids together and proteins. So when you add different proteases, ones that aren't produced in our in our bodies, then you're adding more tools. And so you you you're doing two things. You're breaking the proteins down differently in the stomach, which is a safe area because those peptides aren't absorbed in the stomach. Um, so if you break them down, you, you break down the proteins that produce peptides or, uh, or they don't produce peptides because you've introduced these other proteases enzymes. So while DPP-4 does have a place and it's important, we realize that it's not the only tool in your belt, that there's other ways to do it that are more, probably more um, easier to, to come by. So, so we rely now on using these other, and there are newer proteases that have been found in the last few years that we're looking forward to using in, in future product development. Right, and there's broad-spectrum enzymes like your Trienza formula, I know, has the DPP-4, and you have to look for it on the label and in anything else. I uh, just know that uh, I use the Trienza. Uh, my daughter needs it pretty much daily. It helps her immensely, but it's also got the broad spectrum in it, so you're covering you know, other things with carbs and uh, fiber, digestion, and, and various things other than just the, the proteins, which is really nice with that one as well. We need to take a short break right here, but uh, stay with us. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about enzymes for autism, and we have Dr. Devin Houston with us. And before the break, we talked, I had mentioned broad-spectrum enzyme formulas. Dr. Tri, Dr. Houston has one called Trienza that has the DPP-4 uh, formula in it that I mentioned, or he was just discussing uh, in the last segment about helping break down these larger proteins, but then it has other things in it that help to make it um, help allow for some carbohydrate digestion and some fiber digestion, but he also has very targeted and very specific ones. Uh, one that I know that my daughter needed, I found out she was phenol sensitive and um, that helped her immensely. She would she would break out in hives and she would get really hyper after certain foods and I started doing more research and at the time, many years ago, I found out it was a phenol sensitivity and you have actually one called no phenol and it helps also again with uh, the, the fiber digestion which is really important. So what kind of symptoms might parent look for? And I know a big question that comes up a lot too is about GERD and HCL, hydrochloric acid. So maybe you could touch on that as well. But what kinds of things might parents look for to know maybe what they might want to use if they were using more targeted ones rather than a broad spectrum? Yeah, this is when I wish everybody um, had a PhD in, in <laughs> enzymes or biochemistry. So it would be a lot easier. But um, yeah, um, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Um, 
I, in med school, I was one of those students that um, one always, once I hear a disease process, I was pretty sure I had it. So um, <laughs> I always, it was, it was rough. But I always knew I had certain GI issues. When I knew I was lactose intolerant, which is normal. Once you hit 30, you're going to you're going to have a reduction in lactase enzyme, and that's just normal. When you're about six years old, your body assumes you're you're not nursing anymore and um, starts shutting down production, uh, genetically starts shutting down production of lactase enzyme. You, um, so yeah, so we all get lactose intolerance and we eat cheese or milkshake and, uh, and we get gassy and bloating and diarrhea from the lactose being a carbohydrate pulls water into the gut and that's what causes all the, the bad stuff to occur. Uh, but you can just take a lactase enzyme. So you want enzyme lactase, and enzymes are very specific. They only do one thing. So lactase only breaks down lactose. So you can take that. It's available commercially. It has been for years. And um, and take care of your lactose intolerance. So, you know, that's what I did. But then I started having problems with salads and raw foods, um, you know, again, trying to change my diet. And that made me realize I needed some help breaking down the fibers in food, um, I had my gallbladder removed a few years ago, and being a southern boy, I just couldn't break myself from eating fried, greasy foods, oh. and uh, so I needed enzymes to help break down the fats. And um, uh, so I kind of, me, being me, and, and having the education and experience, kind of knew what to, to do to adjust to my diet. But uh, a lot of people don't. So here's the thing. Um, try to keep a journal. See what foods bother you. If you eat a lot of wheat uh, and you find yourself brain foggy, maybe, or you're just your gut is hurting, and there seems to be in young people today a lot of problems with gluten intolerance. They don't have outright um, disease, but in, you know that's why with the gluten-free food industry is is so large now, so popular. Um, and I don't know why, what it is with young people, but it's, it's certainly a concern. So um, if you can narrow it down to a certain food, figure out whether it's protein, carbohydrate, or fat, then you can take the specific enzymes to address that. Now, if you have no idea, you just, you, know, you just know that you, your digestion is bad and uh, anything you eat, well, then you can take what we call a broad spectrum, which contains all the enzymes, all the proteases, the carbohydrates, the fat enzymes, and, you know, it's, you can only pack so much in, a, in one capsule, so sometimes you have to take multiple capsules or it's a, you know, a double lot size horse pill, but um, you, can, you can adjust that that way. Now, I'm, my preference is to go for the targeted focus enzyme. If you know you have a problem with a certain type of food, go for it. Um, the, you mentioned the nofenol, which is mostly a, a, a fiber busting enzyme. And it helps a lot with the raw foods, the salads, that type of thing by breaking down the fibers, not completely, but just enough to where you're, you're, you've solubilized some of that fiber. Um, it gets incorporated into the stools in your, in your, in your gut, in your colon, um, helps with elimination better and um, it just kind of eases the discomfort 
in the gut. So things like that, you, you try to find specifics. And sometimes, you know, if you're taking a journal, you may have to, you eat a food and it may be 24 to 48 hours later that, that the problem comes up. So keeping a journal of what you eat, when you ate it, and what happened a certain number of hours afterwards can give you an idea of what you need. And that really helps a doctor when you, you can take that information to your doctor and say, well, here, this is what I've been eating and this is what I've been experiencing. So that's one way you can customize the enzymes um, to your own particular diet. And it's, let's be honest, enzymes are getting more popular. And just due to supply and demand, enzyme products are getting increasingly more costly to produce and to sell. So if you can narrow it down to just the enzymes you need, you're, it's going to help your, your financial situation, definitely. But again, if you're not sure, you can, you can just take uh, an enzyme that has you know, all the enzymes. But there, there are some tricks. Uh, you need to be able to know to, how to read a supplement facts box on the label. So, um, you know, different amounts of different enzymes, even a small amount of enzyme will do work. But oftentimes to, to do the thing you need to be done, you need to take a large amount. So those are all things that, that you need to educate yourself on. Right. Depending on the size of the meal, how many, how much you need. And, and uh, as you mentioned too, like the no phenol, and I have linked to that on the show notes, but uh, that is like you said, fiber vesting, but it helps loosen the stool. So if kids are having trouble with that digestion, they may be having issues of something like constipation. And so that can help with that a lot as well. So there's some that loosen the stool and then some that firm it naturally. So if, if there are some issues going either direction and then some of these food allergies, that are popping up, you know, with people, they can, um, like the gluten issue, that um, that can be, uh, the enzymes can help, help the body to break these things down so there's not as much of a reaction. And as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, ultimately we're, we're looking to help to reduce the inflammation. We're going to take a short break right here. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism, and I am your host, Karen Thomas. Please stay with us. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Today we are talking about enzymes for autism with Dr. Devin. Houston and uh, we were talking a little bit about certain targeted enzymes before the break and one thing that's very important to know is that you want to get a quality product now there are some things some fillers in some that you would want to avoid and so Dr. Houston maybe if you give us the parents who are listening some tips on what kinds of things you would want to look for in a product and what kinds of things you might want to avoid in an enzyme product yeah, uh, the customer really needs to become adept at, at reading the supplement facts box on, on a label. Uh, when it comes to fillers, there's some manufacturers realize and they're not breaking the law or, or anything, but if, an, if a filler is considered part of the manufacturing process, it doesn't need to be listed on the label. Now, we've taken, the, taken that further, and whatever is in our product – we we put it on the label regardless of whether we have to or not. Um, so we, we go a little bit further than most. I think it's important to realize that uh, you know, the type of filler, and sometimes we're constrained because manufacturers, uh, we don't have a lot of say in, in, in what we can use. Sometimes we do. Um, maltodextrin can be a 
problem. I we've gone from rice bran or from mineral oil to rice bran to now we're we're just using uh, cellulose, just basically um, you know fiber as a filler, and we try to keep the filler to a minimum. If I have space in the capsule when I'm formulating a product, I'll add more enzyme to that. So as to keep the filler uh, as low as possible. Um, But yeah, I I think really consumers need to build a relationship with with the the company that they're ordering from as far as supplements. And and we do that. Uh, We, we, anybody can email me with a question or concern and I, I will be, you know, upfront and honest, honest about it. So, um, I, I think it just becomes a matter of trust and credibility. And I think with smaller companies, uh, consumers can do that. And the last thing um, before we close for the show that I know that a lot of people write into me about, and you mentioned a lot of people ask you about, is should you take hydrochloric acid? And people who have acid backup and what's referred to as GERD. And uh, again, we only have a brief amount of time, but if you could touch on that, because I know that there are a lot of people who ask that question. Yeah, I do get that question a lot. Um, they ask whether they can take betaine hydrochloric if they're low acid uh, or what they can do if uh, they deal with reflux and such. Reflux occurs when the, because food is in the stomach. And as long as food is in the stomach, the HCL pumps in the stomach are going to be, be working. So um, the thing to do is get the food out of the stomach as quickly as possible. Well, taking an enzyme supplement causes the, the um, and since it works in the stomach, it's breaking, help breaking down the food right there when it gets to a certain consistency the stomach will empty. So you can you can get the stomach to empty quicker. Um, with HCL, um, a lot of people think they need HCL. You do for the pancreatic enzymes. They require acid to be active. The enzyme supplements are already active. So they don't they don't really care whether there's acid in the stomach or not. They're gonna work regardless. So again, I'm not against taking betaine, and if, if it makes you feel better, then go ahead. The enzymes won't care. They're still going to be active and, and do their best regardless. Okay, good to know. Thank you, and you got that in there quickly because we are getting out of time here. Thank you so much, Dr. Houston, for being here with us today. I really appreciate your time and your your expertise. And uh, I've linked to Dr. Houston's, uh, some of his information and some of the products that we talked about in this show uh, are all the resources are at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 44, just the numbers 44 for today's uh, show notes. Again, we'll be there for you. And Dr. Houston, can you give your uh, website real quick for everybody? Sure, just Google HoustonEnzymes.com, and that should get you there. Right. And they're found in most most health food stores and online as well. And, again, I've linked to a couple that we mentioned in today's episode. Thank you so much for being here with us. I greatly appreciate you being here, getting the resources you need for your children. And uh, stay with us next week. We'll be back again and and look forward to seeing you. And have a great week. And uh, stay healthy and happy.